It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. You are locked on Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Your team every day. That's what we do here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to watch our show and subscribe to our show over on our Locked On Panthers YouTube channel. You can also check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Just be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of Locked On Panthers and be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where every single Friday I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions. To participate in this week's edition of the Weekly Friday Mailbag, either at me or DM me on Twitter, at Julian Council. Today's episode of Lockdown Panthers is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. As I told y'all, my hope throughout the season is you have a guest on every Wednesday. Today, we'll start off with Josh Klein, who covers the Carolina Panthers for the Riot Report. And I don't want to just get into conversation of this past weekend's game against Cleveland Browns and the week ahead against the New York Giants. I really want to get into a discussion of just the general tenor of the fan base because the Riot Report is a part of the Roaring Riot, and he is around a ton of fans. Of course, he is a Carolina Panthers fan. So I just want to really have a discussion with him about where Panther fans are after one game, where I've seen a lot of people who are just absurdly upset, in my opinion. Now, feel the way you want to feel, but a lot of people that are upset, I get it. You're done with rule and losing another game, especially where they couldn't stop the run. At times, they looked disorganized. The offense was anemic. Those are all the same things that we've seen the past two years here in Carolina, and you're just ready for it to be over with. I did take some positives away from that game, despite the Carolina Panthers being downright awful on offense for the majority of the game. They were right there and had an opportunity to win that game. And they went down the field and took the lead. They 
found something in the second half and not something we could really say a year ago or with Teddy Bridgewater. And defensively, not much that you can really take away from that game. But the fact that they played terribly and they still had a chance to win and it took a 58-yard field goal and two unfortunate and probably one of them egregious calls by the officiating, that's what led to a loss at the end. I think there can be some positives taken from that. You can also wonder, though, why is Matt Rule's team not better prepared entering year three? And I'm sure someone right there is saying, exactly, that's my point. That's why I'm upset with Matt Rule. I just don't think I've ever seen it this bad here. Having grown up in Charlotte, seeing the Hornets leave town, looking at the Panthers, having had the great season in 03 and going to the Super Bowl, and then the Jimmy Clausen years, the years where we had to sit through just terrible quarterback play. I mean, I, the Jake DeLome game returned all over six times against Arizona. Like, I've seen ups and downs, and I just don't think the fan base's morale has ever been so low. And quite honestly, it's concerning. I had someone the other night ask me through my Twitter DMs if I still liked covering the Panthers. Like, yeah, I still like talking about the team. The thing that's so draining is the negative energy that comes from the fan base. And maybe that's just an echo chamber of Twitter, which I'm on a decent amount of time. A lot of times that's how I'm interacting with y'all with the weekly Friday mailbag. And mainly that's all you see. I think I saw one person, maybe two or three people really that at least communicated with me since Sunday that were actually like taking some positives away from the game. Like even had someone come up to me saying like, Oh man, like shut up. You're not, like, it's not a deflating loss. Like, I'm just saying it's deflating when you lose on a 58-yard field goal when you come all the way back. I'm not taking away anything that this team was able to accomplish by coming back and taking the lead against the Cleveland Browns. But, yeah, year three, you play like crap week one, and you go up, you get a drive that you have not gotten the last two years from your quarterbacks, you win that game, that is momentum that you can carry in the season. That kind of shows, oh, man, Maybe this team is turning the corner. Maybe this team is learning how to win. Like, that's my overall point. So we'll talk to Josh Klein about it, how he feels about this team right now, how he feels about the fan base's energy surrounding his team and all that here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions can make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find a candidate you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
All right, back here on Locked on Panthers. And as promised, Josh Klein from the Riot Report. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh Klein Drools. I'm sorry, at Josh Klein Rules. My that fault. Seems like, the- that seems like a weird, that seems like uh, less of a misspeak and more of a on-purpose um, wow. roast right off the oh. bat. So thank, glad to be here. Excited <laughs> to be here. Glad to have you back, man. Um, I know we did this a couple times last year. Good to have you after week one. I told my listeners that it's something I want to do on a weekly basis. Not talk to you every week, but uh, have someone on every Wednesday. So thank you for being our first Wednesday guest here on the show. I want to get into... Before course, we start, I would ahead. just like to tell your audience that the way that Julian invited me on to the show was saying, hey, do you want to come on to the show? Uh, because I forgot that there's nothing good on Tuesdays. <laughs> so, and then he was like, and then I was like, oh, so that makes sense. When there's nothing good to talk about... <laughs> You know who's you know who's perfect for that is Josh Klein of the Riot Report is here to just uh I don't know if we can curse on the Lockdown Network. Um no we can't. Just to uh just a BS about the Carolina Panthers when nothing is going on. No <laughs> yeah. news is Josh time. Well, yes and no, because you are <laughs> a, a content machine, so you're gonna give us a good content and some good perspective. But also, like, yes, that is actually a true story. Last Tuesday, I forgot that because uh, I the Wednesday episodes are recorded on Tuesdays, folks. Taking you breaking the fourth wall or whatever. I forgot that those Pull are off days. Back. Yeah, pulling the curtain back. I thought I forgot that Tuesdays were off days. So I was like, well, and it's also my busiest day at work. So I, I'm not even thinking about what's going on and recognizing there's nothing going on. I was like, oh, let me try and find something to talk about. Uh, and that's why I hit you up. But I, I figured it out. Well, let's, uh, let's get into it, though. We'll talk about the. The game on Sunday, and we'll talk about the game coming up against the Giants and yada, yada, yada. But I first kind of want to talk about the state of the franchise because you do have a, a job with the Roaring Riot and you speak to a lot of Panther fans. You help them enjoy this experience that they seem to all not be enjoying anymore. Have you ever seen it this bad? Like, I don't, and the thing is, we don't know each other that well. I don't know what your background is as far as how long you've been in Charlotte and your Panthers fandom, but have you seen it? just this overtly like negative as far as the fan base is after just one week of the season. I understand now entering year three of Matt rule. Well, um, the short answer is uh, no, I have not. (laughs) Um, I have, I have a longer answer. Um, The longer answer is that um, I'll tell you a little bit about myself since you kind of asked. Um, I have been, I moved to Charlotte in 1991 And uh, we were originally Giants fans. My dad was a Giant fan. We moved down from New Jersey and we moved down here. And about a year after we moved down, the the team, the Charlotte Observer announced that the uh, that Richardson was bringing a team to Charlotte. And when back in the day, it wasn't as easy. You couldn't just fire up games on your phone. You had to go to to sports bars like the scoreboard or Christopher's and Matthews. Yes, Christopher's. let's go. Yeah. Scoreboard. Now a Lexus dealership or something. It's on oh. independence. Um, yes. They had like the, a stadium. They yeah. had the speakers on your tables. It was yeah. awesome. It was incredible. Um, and, uh, and that was how you had to go and watch games. And like, if they were packed and you didn't have, they couldn't seat you. And when you're an 11 year old kid with your dad, they don't want to bring you there. Um, you just miss the game because there's just nothing else you can do. Um, so my dad was kind of like, you know what, like maybe we should think about this new team. And, uh, he ended up getting season tickets. We went to, uh, all the games in Clemson and there was a point until I went to college, um, uh, whatever year that was, um, that I had been to every single Panthers home game. And, 
I think that when you look back at this team over their history, um, the 2010 year is obviously the year where everybody would say this is this was the point when the fan base would have been as upset, as Mm -hmm. apathetic, as disconnected from the team as they are right now. And they may have been, but the reality was, was Twitter didn't exist. Facebook may have existed in 2010. I think it did. It but was, like, yeah. There, there, wasn't a pat, there wasn't a platform for people to maybe gather and be as upset together. I know when I was uh, in 2010, I was living in Denver. Um, we had just started the Mile High Cats. And, um, and that consisted of me and a buddy going out and watching uh, the Panthers and getting drunk every um, every Sunday. And when it was Jimmy Clausen, it was just kind of like fun to go out there and just you knew they were going to lose. But it was like, well, whatever. We're going to go out and get drunk and it's going to be awesome. Um, and But I wonder if social media had been around, if there had been a – if you would have just gotten in this like echo chamber. Because we know that, that the, yeah. the, 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 the where we live, right – is in a very is is actually a very small part of Panthers fandom. I think it's not a huge. It's not every single person that loves the Panthers. You know, the seventy five million people that follow them on Facebook or that that interact with them, the seventy thousand people that show up to the games. I don't think that they are all the people in the five hundred that we would refer to as Panthers Twitter that mm-hmm. absolutely hate Matt Rule, that can't stand David Tepper that think that this is a poverty franchise to um, use the, uh, the parlance of our, our times. Um, I, I think that when you look at who shows up to the games on Sundays, there are a lot of people that are, that are Panther fans and they have hope that Baker Mayfield is going to be uh, a good quarterback and, and they're excited for this team. But the reality is, is there is a huge segment of this fan base that, and, and I think I, I, I would have to kind of include myself that yeah. look at this team and they just question where it's going, what the plan is. It seems very um, disconcerting. It's it's one thing to lose, but it's another thing to have doubts about what the team is doing on a macro level. And I think that's where a lot of the fan base is. And especially when you look at some of the the um, whether they're mistakes or not, but the issues that David Tepper has over the, has had over the past three years mm-hmm. and now kind of the way that he's interacting with Panthers fans, it, it it's it's easy to see why the fan base is kind of where they are at. And the fan base that we hear from um, is where they're at emotionally. I, I, I think the scoreboard is now actually uh, the Genesis dealership. Um, but yes, I do mm. actually, I, I do remember that. And Christopher's hit it up many a times uh, growing up down in South Charlotte. Good, good cheese fries and Christopher's. Good cheese fries. Yes, I still have plenty of friends who go all the time. Um, but yeah, it's good to know your background because honestly, like I, I had, I did not know that because now I know that you and I kind of share that having grown up in Charlotte, seeing the team from its birth and the years of like '03, how fun that was, and even the up and mm-hmm. down of Jake Delhomme and then 2010 and the apathy of that. And you're probably right, and I'm glad that you bring up the it's the Twitter echo chamber because we all have our group chats with our friends who aren't necessarily all over Twitter and we see how they react to the team compared to how some other people react to the team. Like the histrionics on Twitter are, are just absurd compared to what your buddy might say about like the Panthers organization. I have plenty of friends who don't tweet and aren't on Twitter actively who certainly are uh, fairly apathetic and negative as far as like how this team, where this team is going. And I am not a David Tepper fan. I'm sitting here still trying to believe in Matt rule 
I didn't really have high expectations the first few years anyways. So I didn't necessarily understand, especially back in 2010 or 2020, rather, while so many people were mad as hell after Teddy Bridgewater lost all those games. And then even last year, like it started off high and unfortunately it went crashing down, losing seven straight to the end of season. is not acceptable. It's just after one game though, it's just like, man, like y'all are really just not enjoying this overall experience. In was it one gamer? It seemed like it was five minutes into the second quarter. Oh, like yeah, it, I, like, it, it was definitely that. Yeah. And, and maybe I didn't help because I was just like, I mean, to me, this offense looks like an offense that has like no continuity because the quarterback wasn't here during OT's minicamp. They had a quarterback competition that was always a sham. And then they only had like three weeks together. Like it's going to be a work in progress. Didn't have high expectations. But yeah, I mean, after like a quarter, people are like, pull the plug, screw this. And it's just like, man, man, do we even enjoy watching the football anymore? And I don't want it to be that case. It's, it's not just the Panthers. Like, it's the same thing with the Hornets. And then you can even look at just after one year of the soccer team. That's not even over yet because tape, David, David Tepper owns that. There are some people who are like, eh, forget this. I just don't personally, as far as like the Twitter age, don't think it's ever been like this bad. And it just kind of concerns me of what it's going to take to win back this fan base. Like, is winning 10 this year going to the playoffs? Is that enough? Like, are people going to be that fickle where it's like, okay, they started winning again? Or are they really just like that far out? Yeah, I don't remember who it was that put a poll on Twitter that said, here are your choices or like, where's where's the fan base at? And it the first choice was win the Super Bowl rule stays and lose 12 games and rule gets fired. And like 70% of people chose lose 12 games. Yeah, I saw that, that seems like a pretty weird place for the fan base to be. Um, and 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 I and I've said this before and I will continue to say it. I think the. Uh, the main reason for it is the way that Matt Rule and David Tepper um, were involved in the departure of Cam Newton the first time. I think that okay. there is a huge percentage of the fan base that will never forgive Matt Rule for saying that he was excited to coach Cam. I, we know exactly what it is. Saying that he wanted to coach Cam and then releasing him a month later. Now, I look at it and say, what else is the coach supposed to say about the quarterback that's on the roster at that time? Like, I think that maybe Marty Herney may have been more involved in the uh, release of Cam Newton and the switch to Teddy Bridgewater than Matt Rule was. But all those things aside, I think there's a huge percentage of the fan base that Cam Newton was their favorite player. And if we're being honest, may not have even been a Panthers fan before Cam Newton was the quarterback. So true. Um, when when Cam was blindsided by the news and the way that it all went down and all of that, all of the things that happened. I think that there was a there is a percentage and a, and a huge group of people that are just not going to come back positively until Matt Rule is no longer the coach. And I think that um, that that is just how it is. Now that that being said, I think what he has done since he's become the coach, there have been some issues there that have turned off a lot of other people. But I think there is a percentage of people that will just not come back because of that specific instance. Yeah, that is just wild to me that people would rather go five and 12 again and get the the coach fired than like go to the Super Bowl. It's not just go like win a Super Bowl, like something that we all want to happen. Like that is, I mean, that's Twitter in a nutshell right there. I know my mom is certainly one of those people who, she was always a Panthers fan, but also loved Cam. And when they got rid of Cam, like her interest the last few years certainly has uh, waned. Don't know how much she really cares anymore at all. And she's not like she's going to games or anything and buying merchandise, but that still is a section of your fan base that, hey, they turn it on on Sunday. Absolutely. They have some some level of investment. And if they decide on their Sundays they don't want to watch again or watch anymore, that's not a positive thing for Carolina. 
Uh, it's, it's, it really, it's just, it sucks. Cause it's like, man, I, I feel like they have done some things as far as like Fitterer goes, Scott Fitterer, that they've done things to where they aren't that far away. And looking at Sunday's game as bad as they were, they were right there in position with the lead to win that game. In the last two seasons, they are not in that position, in my opinion. Like that is growth, but they still lost the game and they still showed a lot of the same concerning things we've seen the last two seasons, which leads us to having this conversation about just the overall uh, tenor of the fan base and kind of whatever, where everyone's head's at right now. And that is deeply concerning. <laughs> Yeah, they're in a bad spot. Uh, I think the fan base is in a bad place right now, and I think they really needed a win on Sunday. And I think that what you saw was there was was a lot of orange in that crowd, obviously. We knew that was going to happen. And let's be honest with you, I I work for the Roaring Riot. We say a lot of stuff about how mad we are that away fans are there. But guess what? We, as away fans, go to other stadiums, and it's pretty easy to get tickets no matter where you are. Guess what? Mm-hmm. We buy group seats at Lambeau Field. They, The Packers themselves sell them to us. It's not like we have to, like, oh, we got to stub hub all these things. No, the Packers will sell us a big chunk of tickets where we can show up in Panthers black and blue. Um, all teams do this. They want to sell the tickets. And it's just in this day and age between StubHub and SeatGeek and all those other things, it's just not as hard to get a ticket to an away game as it used to be. And that being said, um, there were too many Browns fans there because uh, if you were a Panthers fan and you were selling, you could make extra money, you probably sold your ticket, especially one of the apathetic Panther fans that we were just talking about. Absolutely. The other side of that is that, in that fourth quarter from the Robbie Anderson touchdown until Cade York kicked a field goal, that was a Panthers home game. It was loud in that stadium. The Panthers crowd did a did what they were supposed to do from whenever that happened was seven minutes left mm-hmm. in the in the fourth quarter with the Robbie touchdown. From yeah. that moment on, every all of the first 40, 53 minutes that had been terrible, the first 25 minutes where they were booing the offense every time they would go off the field. All that was gone. And in that in that particular moment, it was like, okay, the Panthers could win their their fan base back. I think if you saw if you saw Baker Mayfield, who they had gone out and gotten, who maybe you had some doubts about, throw up a perfect passer rating in the fourth quarter, score set, lead them to 17 points, throw a 75-yard touchdown, 55 yards in the air off off platform, a throw that Sam Darnold probably doesn't make and Teddy Bridgewater certainly can't make. <laughs> uh if that if you see that happen and then they go down and then he leads them down, they kick a field goal and they win, then you say, "Hey, you know what? That was exciting. I'm ready to watch this game. I'm ready to maybe Maybe I can be more invested in this team. But when you get kicked in the testicles, just like you have every in every close game, not even for the past two years of the rule era, it seems like the Rivera era for the Pat for the three years before that. Uh, definitely 2019. Too. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it's, t- it's just tough to it's tough to get invested. And then and, and you're one week into the season and you're saying, you know what? I'm not watching the Giants game next week. I just can't do it. I can't be I can't be involved this week. Yeah, I get it. And and the thing too with the Browns fans, like there's too many Browns fans that live in Charlotte. And that's sure. gonna be an issue that we're gonna combat. They live everywhere. And, and and I look, if I lived in Nashville, I was an idiot and paid to go see the Panthers play in the preseason, like you got completely ripped off. But that was the only time to see the team in Nashville. Yeah, like, of course. Totally like if you live here, 
and you want to go see your team, I, I totally get it. And it's like, that's part of fan experience. And you talk about y'all do the same thing. You have to take over. You want to go see these other games. It's just, it has gotten to the point where it's just like, you're already in a transplant city where there's plenty of people like ourselves that have grown up here and have come back. And there's plenty of second generation Panther fans. It just, a lot of times feels like they don't even exist because they're just like, you drowned out by the, all the transplants that come here. And then also just losing in their own, their own stadium being taken over sometimes. So you're right though. It, they are playing well. That will be a Panthers home game. So my hope is that they can just start winning games. We have, what, three more home games in the next four weeks mm-hmm. for people to go to. All so, of them are winnable, too. So I, I think absolutely. They could, I mean, I, I kind of said before the season, and I will continue to say it, that if they don't come out of this first five games, three and two or better, uh, I think they're pro- – I, I would imagine David Tepper will step in. That 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 is my gut feeling. Like wow. I, I, I understand the contract. There's a lot of money, the buyout, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. At a certain point, this dude is just too proud and can read the writing on the wall and will say to himself, you know what? Things, things have got to happen. And um, if you cannot come out of this stretch of Jacoby Brissett, Daniel Jones, uh, Kyler Murray, who you've owned for the past four years, Jameis and Trey Lance without three victories. How are you going to handle it when the next five games are Tom Brady? um, I don't have them off the top of my head. Tom Brady, Matt Stafford. um, Yeah, I'm not going to get there. Mariota's probably in there too. But yeah, yeah, I, I understand your point. And that's, and that's the thing about Sunday where that was a winnable game. Mm -hmm. I went into it concerned about the run game and that played out the way that, I guess any you really should have thought it was going to play out considering how they were against the run a year ago. And they haven't really added anybody this offseason to make you think that they're going to stop the run. But that's that's a good point. I would just hope, man, like after five games, like why even bring the guy back if that's a decision that you're going to make? But what's uh, well, that's, quick- that, that's also a question that I think we should be asking in general. But yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you asked it a bunch of times at the end of last season. So I was on board of bringing him back for a third year. Expectations weren't super high. It wasn't like it was a complete bleep show like Joe Judge in New York. And what kind of message did that send to send, give a guy a seven year contract and then pull the plug after two years? Like what coaches are going to be attracted to this job? Um, that's just my kind of thought process as far as how the Panthers would have been perceived, but it also is one of 32 jobs and someone's going to want it. Is that just going to be the right someone? We'll see. Well, let's take a quick pause here. Then let's come back, talk a little bit more about the game on Sunday and look ahead to what we got coming up this upcoming Sunday against the New York Giants at MetLife Stadium. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and even golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline where the game starts. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line or Could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, 
alternate routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. All right, back here on Locked on Panthers, Julian Council with Josh Klein, who writes for the Riot Report. He also is one of the fearless leaders over there with the Roaring Riot. You guys probably know him. Check him out over on Twitter, at Josh Klein Rules, where he has all his thoughts about the uh, wonderful Carolina Panthers that y'all have either a a love-hate relationship with or a hate-hate relationship with at this point in time, or maybe you just don't care anymore, as we talked about just uh, a minute ago. Looking back on Sunday's game against Cleveland, I don't know how you break it down, but it was – Came, it was very simple to me how I looked at the Panthers and how they lost that game. The offense was a complete no-show in the first half. I am encouraged, though, that in the second half, they were able to click. And as you said, Baker Mayfield was cooking there late in that fourth quarter with the Robbie Anderson touchdown, leading the team down the field to take the lead, something that we did not see from Teddy or Sam. I guess Sam did it last year against Minnesota to bring them back to tie the game. But it is really his fault they were even in that position, throwing a pick on the first play of the game. So I looked at that as a positive, although the offense was pretty much MIA for the most part in the first half. Defensively, same issues we saw last year. Surprising, though, that they couldn't tackle. I get it. It's Nick Chubb, but 17, 18, whatever, how many missed tackles it was. Different numbers from Matt Rule and Jeremy Chin. Entirely unacceptable and now has me concerned heading into the game on Sunday against the Giants. So offense was slow start. Defense couldn't get off the field. And unfortunately, you get the rough in the passer, which I just think is just more bad luck and then the grounding one that they're not calling that on the, on the spike. That's just an egregious missed call. All that in totality leaves Panthers to lose. And more in particular, the offense starting slow and a defense being awful against the run. And then, yeah, sprinkle in the, you know, the officiating there on that last drive. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I caught some uh, flack, I think on our favorite social media that said, <laughs> Um, when I was like, you know, yes, the, the calls were bad at the end, but they, they did this to themselves with the first half offense and the run defense for the whole game. And a lot of people were like, no, the, the calls, the calls, the calls, you can't put yourself in a position for the referees to lose you the game. So, uh, and, and they did that by being the worst offense I've ever seen in my entire life for 28 minutes. They're terrible. So they're like, like literally unwatchable. Like, so it was, um, it, they were they were so bad, and I wonder how much of that was nerve from Baker himself. Um, you know, the drop snaps, the the inter- the interception was pretty egregious. Um, I mean, he's going to be a pro and take the blame for everything, which he should, um, because that's what you're supposed to do when you're the quarterback. But um, the reality is, is that like they, they were just so bad in the first half that the fact that they were able to battle back, I wonder, is a combination of um, the. The, the Jacoby Brissettedness of it all, of it all, mm-hmm. and um, and Baker himself kind of turning it on and starting to click. Now, all that being said, um, I agree with you. One of the things that that has bothered me this entire offseason and bothered me right up until the game is that from January, we everyone that talks about the Panthers 
said that they needed to add a edge rusher and they needed to add somebody to help them stop the run. And now here we are two days after week one, three days after week one, sorry, magic of podcasting uh, is and, and, uh, and talking about how they did not have enough beef up front and they couldn't set the edge and they, they got run all over. And Saquon is going to do the exact same thing on this Sunday, because I don't think that, there just is. I just don't think that it is a matter of yes, missed tackles, obviously. Yes, run fits, obviously. All that stuff is going to help. But the reality is, there are some runs that if when you look at them, the Browns just look so much physically bigger than a lot of those guys on that off on that defensive line for the Carolina Panthers. Like Frankie yeah. Luvu is not a guy that should be trying to you know set the edge against a, a, a pulling guard. Like that's just not a good spot for him. You're not putting him in a good spot to succeed. And yes, you can you can trust in your uh, in in Wilson and Shaq and Jeremy Chin to come up and make tackles. But the reality is that defensive line, they needed more help and they didn't go out and get it. Yeah. And, and Scott actually did say I'm mean, going back to January. I mean, you bring that up. He did say that he wanted to get somebody who is about, you know, six, six to eighty five to set the edge in the run and the run game. And they did that with Henry Anderson, who, quite honestly, I had never heard of that dude until they signed him a week ago and he played with 26 snaps. I don't what think what was had... the plan if he hadn't gotten cut by new England though. The, the like, plan oh was they were that they weren't going to do anything, I guess, but no, you're, I, I'm not disagreeing with you at all because I don't know. No, what I know we're not arguing, in. but yeah. this is what, this is what a show is, right? Is you just kind of, your, your voice goes up a little bit and then I'm <laughs> yeah. not angry at you. I'm just, no, I know. I know. I just, just, I... just, just debating skit. Julian, Julian, like that's my that's my Shannon Sharp impression. I don't know what the the plan would have been, and that's a great question because it didn't seem like they had one. Like they tried to go bring in some guys like Danny Shelton. He's like, I'm good. They brought in Dunlap. He's like, I rather go sign with the Chiefs and potentially win a Super Bowl. And that's just what you're faced with, especially when you have a coach who is entering a pivotal year where he probably is going to get fired. If we're just being honest with ourselves, as optimistic as I am going into the season, I've been bullish on this team. I think they've done a lot of good things, but it's also probably more likely that Matt rule is not going to make it. I don't know what the plan would have been. I'm just wondering what the plan now is moving forward. Like, are they still expecting like the guys they have now? They're not going to miss 18 tackles again. I don't think the rest of the season, like Nick Chubb is no, a different kind sure. of guy. So if they tackle better, certainly do better against the run. But I don't think that is just the only sort of like magical elixir that's going to help them be better against the run, especially on Sunday against the Giants. I, it's, it is a concern to me, especially when Matt Rule comes out and he says that they wanted to lean on their defense, probably knowing full well the offense was going to take some time, considering that he wasted the entirety of the offseason not bringing in Baker Mayfield, the whole organization as a whole, though, and it also wasted time during training camp in the preseason not having Baker be the number one quarterback when we all knew full well on July 6th who the guy was going to be running out of tunnel first as far as the quarterback position that day. So it's, it is concerning, especially when that is a part of the team that I think people had confidence in heading in the year. Can I get a take off about the quarterback competition thing? Please. Um, here's the thing. Um, there were a lot, there were guys in that locker room, no matter what you, what we want to think about from the outside, there were guys in that locker room, who Sam Darnold was their guy and they, they respected Sam Darnold. They liked Sam Darnold as a person. Maybe they didn't necessarily want Baker Mayfield there. And the way that Matt rule did this with the quarterback competition, nobody in that locker room thought that Sam Darnold was going to win. But the idea that, that he, that Baker had to come in and win his spot 
Like that, that is the idea behind it. I don't agree with it. Personally, I would have just given Baker hundred percent of the snaps said, Sam, thanks mm -hmm. for coming in. You were awful last year. You were the worst quarterback in the league by a long shot. And now you're the backup quarterback. And I would cut you if I didn't have $19 million attributed to you. Um, but I can't do it. So Baker's the quarter Bart Baker's the starting quarterback. Um, I'm going to be a terrible coach because I don't know how to do this. These are all things that I would say. Um, and, uh, <laughs> but that that was what he was going to you knew that was going to happen he does it everywhere it's the same thing where icky had to like earn his spot yeah it, he that's just the kind of coach that he is and i think that the idea that those reps that baker lost for the first what two and a half weeks of training camp mm -hmm. are the reason why he was bad in the first half of this game i just don't think that those two things are correlated i think there there are reasons why he was bad in the first half but to uh, the, to think that he wasn't taking snaps with the first team center who was bradley bozeman for those for half of those two weeks yeah. so th so the guy that he wasn't getting snaps from is not the same guy. So I, I just think that the, the reps that he lost out on, there were a lot of reps over the past three weeks that he was able to get. I, I'm not trying to make excuses for Matt rule, certainly um, by any means, but I think that's the, the quarterback competition thing may have gotten a little overblown. And I think that if it wasn't, if it was a different coach other than what, what Matt rule has done over the past two years and who Matt rule has been, and the decisions and the way that he's handled certainly the quarterback position. Yeah. Um, I think maybe a lot of people would have been like, Hey, I like that he's earning a spot or what, or whatever. I just think it was, it was met with a lot of vitriol because of the history of Matt rule, not necessarily because of this decision uh, itself. And yeah. Yeah. You no. Know, and that's, you bring up good points. Like I've said it too. Like, they have to do this. It's a meritocracy. Like that's what they want this to look like. It, we're not even a year removed from Joe person reporting how there's players in that locker room who felt like the Panthers weren't a meritocracy because of all the temple and Baylor guys mm -hmm. there. And it certainly seems like Christian McCaffrey was one of those guys who really supported Sam. Cause he said that he appreciated that they actually had a competition and that Sam, I guess had a chance when he, even though he probably full well knew that Sam Darnold was not going to be the starting quarterback. So, I, I, and I get it. Like, that's just kind of stuff you got to do. You got to have guys actually earn the job, earn the leader, like win over the team, become a leader naturally, opposed to like, guess what they did the last two years, just handing the job to these other guys. But I do in a way think like, and it's not just Baker. It's also like Robbie was out a lot of times with soft tissue injuries. We didn't see this, a lot of this mm -hmm. offense together during training camp. So it's not necessarily just the Baker part. It's just there DJ was a missed time in, yeah, uh, at the end of training camp too. They just weren't they weren't necessarily healthy. They weren't there together, so it takes time to really mesh and we saw that play out there in that first half on Sunday. And what we saw in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter, again, should be encouraging, hoping that that is what we see off the bat on Sunday afternoon against the Giants. Let's just kind of get you out of here on this, Josh. What is your read? On Sunday's game, you've already kind of said that you think Saquon's probably going to do the exact same thing that Nick Chubb did on his on his defense. I mean, overall, what's your read on this game as they head into which is what is already become basically a must win now must win, not necessarily because they lose season not over, but a lot of people are going to say season's over. Yeah, it's interesting. The The Giants are coming like. Is this the? I think this is the first time the Giants have been over 500 in like seven years. Is, yeah, like is that 2016 what it is, something like or something like that. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. So, and they are, I mean, when you talk about riding high, like Brian Dable is dancing in the locker room with his guys. Like, I mean, I read this interesting, um, this really good column by Connor Orr today. Um, 
and he was saying that he was talking about the Nathaniel Hackett um, terrible uh, decision to roll out the Brandon McManus to kick a 64 yard field goal instead of, instead of trusting the guy that you just gave $50 million signing bonus to. Um, and he was like, you know, obviously that didn't work, but guess what? Sometimes the thing that you, that shouldn't work does work. Like Brian Dayball called this weird two point conversion flip play that Saquon Barkley had to break three tackles and Saquon himself into the end zone and guess Very what? True. He's a hero. He's a he's a Giants legend because he called this terrible play call. You know who else? Um, um, do you remember the Graham Gano sixty three yard winning game winning field goal? Nobody these thought, these Giants were the Rivera staff blew that game. Yeah. Do you think anybody in their right mind before their before that field goal went through the uprights thought that Ron Rivera was making the right decision? No, he was making he was making a bad decision, rolling Graham out there with however much time and they wasted time. And remember, he was like they had him mic'd up and he was yelling like we got to sneak it on third, fourth down. Like it was just yeah. it was a mess. The The point is, is that the, the, the Giants certainly seem like they're going in this direction where this is video is going in an upward trend. And the Panthers certainly seem like they're going on a downward trend. But all that stuff can flip so fast. And I just wonder how much emotion there is going to be for the Giants after that win last week that maybe they may come into this game and say, hey, you know what? They may be overlooking the Panthers a little bit and, and say to themselves, hey, you know what? We we just uh, we just won on the road. Now we're coming back home. Now we're 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 back, baby. And um, I, I just wonder um, how how successful. Uh, Matt rule can be at hyping his guys up for a game that he knows is must win. And probably the players know it too. Like the players, I mean, they're not dumb. They realize what the repercussions of losing, of going Owen two this season are not only for Matt rule, but for themselves as well. Um, so it'll be, it'll certainly be an interesting game. Um, I am hopeful that the Panthers, can that Baker Mayfield will look like the fourth quarter version or at least the third quarter version of who sure. he was. Um, because if he doesn't, then I think we, then I think it's, yeah, you got to ask questions about Matt rule, but you also got to ask about the guy who has traded for two quarterbacks in the past two off seasons that may not work out as well. Ooh, did I, yeah. did, was that a fun teaser <laughs> right there at the end of the pod? Oh yeah. The questions can be uh, abound for everybody if they lose that game. And, I mean, it's not like the options were great, and they tried. But, yeah, you, you bring up a good point there. Um, I'm hoping, man, the, the Giants fans probably going to be pretty charged up, too, because I saw someone here locally who's a Giants fan was saying, like, it just sucks going the season knowing that your season is already over. And mm -hmm. I'm sure they were probably dancing in their living room on Sunday afternoon, and they probably smell blood. They see blood in the water with the Panthers after losing that game to Cleveland and going on the road to MetLife, where the Giants beat them a year ago. And Sam Darnold got benched in that game. So I'm sure they're not going to be scared of the Panthers, especially knowing how the Panthers looked on film this week and trying to stop the run. But Josh, appreciate your time as always. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at Josh Klein Rules. Right to the right report does a really good job there. And also go hang out with him and the Roaring Right, whether you're in Charlotte or wherever the Panthers play on the road this season. Josh, appreciate your time as always, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, RoaringRiot.com. If you like to go to games uh, here or away or just watch them uh, at bars with your friends, um, the Roaring Riot is everywhere. And uh, we want you to be a member. Julian, specifically. I'm uh, talking to you. I was a member at one point in time. Only I only did it for the T-shirt, the uh, Change the Culture shirt. And then I was like, Change the Culture shirt was sweet. Come on back there. Keep pounding uh, shirts this year. Okay. I got to see the T-shirt first. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Okay, hope you enjoyed that conversation with Josh Klein 
Uh, again, at Josh Klein Rules on Twitter. Does a lot of stuff with the Riot Report and Roaring Riot, so go check him out. Longtime Panthers fan. Grew up here in Charlotte, too. Did not know that. And that's one of the things. I get to know these people a little bit better when I bring them on the show. My hope is throughout the rest of the season, on Wednesdays, try to have a guest on as Tuesday. No media going on. Not much to talk about. So a Wednesday show would be great to get a guest on. So hopefully you can line up some guests here every Wednesday moving forward. Hopefully I can get the graphics, also the work in the background. Like whatever was going on, couldn't get my uh, usual Locked On Panthers uh, overlay. Uh, the parlance, I guess, is for the uh, the graphic there. So hopefully that'll work out for the YouTube listener or viewers, everyone who listened to the podcast probably was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Who cares? With that being said, it's going to wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Painters podcast hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, make sure to watch the show and subscribe to the show over on YouTube. Check us out wherever you listen to our favorite, your favorite podcast, which this, of course, is one of your favorite podcasts. Just make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show so you don't miss a single episode. And be sure to follow me on Twitter, Right there at Julian Council, where every single Friday I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions. So either at me or DM me to participate in this week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag. In the meantime, take care, be happy, be whole, be safe as always, keep pounding, and I'll talk to y'all on Thursday for yet another edition of our Locked On Crossover Thursdays here on Locked On NFL with Patricia Trana, the host of Locked On Giants. Goodbye. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.